Locked on NBA. The biggest stories are local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we go to Portland to speak with Mike Richmond of Locked On Blazers about Damian Lillard's injury, the Neil Olshay investigation on what's going on in Portland. We next go to Washington to speak with Ed Oliver of Locked On Wizards about the Eastern Conference leading Washington Wizards and the surprises there. And lastly, we go to Boston to speak with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics about the uh, the slow or sluggish start to the season that Boston is undergoing at the moment. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I also host the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and I'm the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So uh, thank you for checking us out. Check out all of the other shows as well across the Locked On Podcast Network. Whatever your favorite team is, we will have a show for you. So lots for us to talk about today around the NBA. So let's get to it. So let's bring in now the host of the Locked On Blazers podcast, Mike Richmond, is here with me. Mike, it's been interesting times in Portland, oh, basically since the offseason with the hiring of Chauncey Billups. I don't know where to start here. Let's start, I guess, with the investigation into Neil O'Shea. And um, we'll just elaborate where we are with that, because we did have a resignation um, a couple of days ago, but it wasn't, uh, wasn't Neil's. Yeah, I think the assumption was that on Friday we were going to get some news about Neil Olshay resigning, but instead the person in the front office who resigned was the Blazers president, the guy on the business side, uh, not a basketball decision maker, but someone in, certainly high up in the organization, um, Chris McGowan, who, who decided to step down. Sounds like that had been brewing since July with McGowan having some um, beef or um, some issues with the way ownership was running things and kind of wanted to be more of the face of the franchise. That's according to reporting from Jason Quick of The Athletic. And so now it's just kind of wait and see. Olshay is digging in and I think they're um, he's going to make them if he leaves, he's going to leave on his own terms. And so right now he's just uh, he's we're in a waiting period trying to figure out what's going to happen next with an investigation into his hostile workplace environment created under his watch. So how did this investigation begin? Obviously, we've seen Olshay work in the media and, and be you know quite curt with reporters in the past, but how did this investigation come about? Well, it's unclear what the sort of specific inciting incident was. Um, like you've said, like anyone who's paid attention to this team can imagine that Neil Olshay is um, prickly and maybe difficult to work with. But being um, ornery or being having like a short temper is is typically not like a uh, like a fireable offense after ten years. That would be something that would get you fired in year one. But after a decade at the helm of being, um, you know, a challenging coworker, maybe that's not something that gets you fired. But uh, I think there must have been some singular inciting incident we're we've reached or a decision by the front by the ownership that says we got to get Neil out of here, but we don't want to pay him. And the only way we can pay him is to investigate whether the way he's acted for 10 years under our watch is some sort of um, like, you know, with cause fire reason for firing with cause so they can take away his money. Yes, that's basically all it is because they could fire him obviously whenever they wanted to. They would just have to pay out his contract. But if there is this investigation providing um, evidence or however they want to frame it that that he is uh, not suitable for the position, then they can get away with with not paying him. So you're right. Olshay has no 
no real um, incentive to just resign based on this because he will want his money and uh, the front office will want to make sure he doesn't get his money. So it does feel like it's eventually heading for something. In the end, if even if the investigation doesn't come through, I'd imagine they wouldn't be all that keen on him sticking around or would they just you know, investigate and then go, oh, well, I guess we'll just keep going. I cannot imagine a, senior, a scenario where Neil Olshay is back as the lead decision maker in the front office. I have a hard time imagining him being an employee at all of the team. How can you launch this investigation, have the president resign, kind of all this changing of the guard, and you say you spent three weeks finding out if this dude has, has created a hostile work environment? Like, yeah, actually, he's cool. Like, you've seen him. He's fine. We'll put him back in front of the microphone. What could go wrong? Um, I can't imagine he's in charge. It's just what what will the exit look like is kind of what we're waiting for. Yeah, and not, not, not to put words in your mouth, but I don't think there's any people covering the blazers who would have heard this investigation and go, oh my God, I'm totally stunned. This is amazing. Like, how, I, I didn't see this coming at all. This is just impossible to believe. So uh, there's got to be, you know, the old where there's smoke, there's fire saying has got to be out there. And it is hard to see this ending any other way than Olshay leaving the organization. But that's not the only big story around Portland. We'll get more information on that as the investigation concludes or we get information released or whatever. But Damien Lillard, it has been the worst stretch of his career by a significant margin. I don't think anybody would argue that. I don't even think Dame would argue with that, to be honest. Um, And there were whispers of this abdominal injury that he had had for many years and played through that was worsened in Tokyo. And that was really impacting his play to begin this season. He's hitting career lows from threes. He just doesn't look the same. He's had some improvements, but now uh, before the game on Sunday, Lillard is sitting out due to abdominal tendinopathy. Mike... Is this a, obviously it's a concern with how Dame's been playing and now he's missing time. Is this a, oh, this injury is just too much now. We're going to have to take a lot of time off or is it a maintenance sort of thing? Where are we with Dame and his injury at the moment? You know, uh, they didn't, because of the way travel worked, they haven't spoken to the media since the uh, injury report came out. So we'll probably know more a little bit later this afternoon. But I assume that this is um, just a thing that's been building like, you, you, you know, you've reported that this maybe the ab injury was more serious than other people have let on. Certainly Dame has not admitted as much as you have said, Josh. So, um, you know, I, I know which uh, podcaster I believe, and it's not CJ McCollum, um, but it's I, I think we've reached a point where you can just watch Dame and know he's not physically right. So it's hard to know if this is they're trying to pick a handful of rest days here and, and, and squeeze in, you know, hey, if we give him a day off a week, he can kind of have some maintenance or if this is the beginning of maybe a, an extended stretch. But it, quite frankly, we will know more uh, once the game starts and Chauncey Billups uh, addresses, the, addresses the media. But for right now, I thought he looked better the last two days than he has recently. Um, you know, he's still not shooting great, but he looks more li- closer to Damian Lillard um, after kind of looking like he was playing through mud for a long time. Yeah, and that, that's, I think, probably the weird thing about it is he struggled so much. And then the last week, he started to look much better. The shots are going in, he's moving better. Look, there's still been some moments where he goes in for a layup and then you see his face and there's this massive grimace yeah. and he sort of half goes to hold his uh, ab region and then you go, oh no. But the numbers have been much better. The play has been much better. That's why this um, absence for today's game it was a little bit surprising to me. And just to clarify, what I did report a few weeks back is that, that I was told that the injury had worsened and there was a consideration. And some people were thinking that maybe surgery would be required in the preseason, but that was uh, that was quickly shot down. And then you know, the result of that injury worsening is part of the reason why we're seeing some of the struggles that Dame had to begin the season. Oh, who knows if that'll end up you know, coming back and there will be any surgery talk further on, but the injury had gotten worse than it had been because it is something he has played through for many years, but it had yeah. gotten 
gotten worse to the stage where that was a, a discussion that was on the table and then that was obviously you know, not gone through with because Lillard's here playing and not having surgery on, on his ab- abdominal region. So it is going to be something to... Um, to really watch, but just in terms of the beginning of the Chauncey Billups era in Portland, how would you say that it has gone so far, Mike? Not, not great. Um, they're they're fine. Like they're they're. If you thought this was going to be a team that that competed to avoid the play in uh, in the West, they're still that range of team. Um, they they're a moderately better on defense with better personnel and they're a little bit worse on offense while their best player shoots bricks. Um, I think there's reason to believe that if Damian Lillard ever regains a form that looks like Damian Lillard, then they're going to be, you know, one of the top five offenses in the league and maybe an improvement from 29th to 21st in defense pushes them up into sixth in the West. Um, They've just been really inconsistent in their wins. They've looked really good. And in their losses, you're like, Oh, this is maybe one of the bad teams. Um, And it's just which, which part of the wave do you catch on which night has kind of been uh, the fate of this team that's been inconsistent. They're one and six on the road and they're five and one at home, which is one of the worst splits that, exists in the NBA. I think it might be even the worst split. There are not many teams. The Rockets are winless um, on the road, but they've only won one game in total. So it's hard to compare. Yeah, exactly. Hard to yeah. compare those two teams, but that is a pretty stark split between the two there. Um, I don't think there's really anything to, to read into that, is there, Mike? Uh, no, I mean, some of it is just they've they've played poorly in a couple fourth quarters on the road. They got absolutely thrashed in, against the Clippers. And they've been they've just been like... They haven't been able to bring, if you look at their defensive splits, they have not been able to bring the defensive intensity on the road. Um, Their one win is against those Rockets. So it's not like they have, they don't have a win that you can say, oh, it it travels. But right now they're just a a bad road team. But I mean, um, I think this is maybe just a little early season. The splits are a little more... uh, dramatic than they otherwise would be plenty of mediocre teams are good at home and bad on the road that is that is a normal thing that will play out and i think the blazers who are probably going to be a mediocre team this year are fit the profile it is going to be really interesting to see how everything plays out with O'Shea, with Lillard, and with the Blazers under Chauncey Billups this season. Mike's going to have it covered for us all over on the locked on blazers podcast mike thanks for coming on locked on nba with me thanks for having me josh appreciate it have you heard about PricePix? PricePix is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. PricePix has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. It offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all of the superstar players as well as the bench players that only receive a handful of minutes each game. PricePix offers any prop that you can find. Points, rebounds, blocks, assists, steals, whatever it is, they have it. And anyone who goes in and signs up using the promo code NBA, when you deposit, you will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. So how price picks works, you pick two to five players, you go there over under predictions, you choose them, combine them together, and you can win up to 10 times your entry fees, just you versus the projected numbers. It even allows mixed sport entries. So use the app or go to the website. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. And PricePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out PricePix.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PricePix is daily fantasy made easy. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device where you watch your live TV. You watch your sports. You've got another one where you watch your other on-demand shows. You watch your highlights on your phone and then you've got your neighbor's login for all of the other good stuff. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Streaming. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get 
rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com, compatible device required and content varies by package. All right, so let's bring him in now. It is the host of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Ed Oliver is here with me. Ed, the Washington Wizards, um, they're, uh, they're sitting right at the top of the Eastern Conference at the moment. I don't think too many people would have picked them to be right up the top, and they're doing that without you know, some players that you, know, you would have considered big parts of it. It's, you know, Rui Hachimura um, hasn't played at all this season. So what has been the key to the Wizards' early season success? Uh, it's defense and uh, Wes Enzo Jr., He's been uh, uh, a lot better than what we were last year defensively. We were fourth in defensive rating. Last year, we were ranked 20th. We were dead last in points allowed per game last year, and we made a huge jump. Uh, Montrezl Harrell has been huge for the Washington Wizards. Uh, if you look at the MVP candidates on basketball reference, like he's ranked sixth right now at the moment. Uh, he's almost averaging a double-double. He's playing like the sixth man of the year that he was with the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, Bradley Bill hasn't shot the ball well, but just as a team, Kyle Kuzma, all the Lakers guys that we got in the trade have really stepped up, and they've been big parts of big wins. Kyle Kuzma hit a game winner uh, against, uh, basically a game winner against the Cavaliers, and the Cavaliers are a good team. They're they're a surprise team in the East. We beat them on the road. We beat the Celtics twice. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie has been a, a good fit. You know, we had Russell Westbrook last year, who was an interesting fit with Bradley Bill, but Spencer Dinwiddie's more of a passing guard or a guard. He's a guard that doesn't need the basketball in his hands as much as. As a, as a Russell Westbrook, um, we, we just have a collective unit. We have guys coming off the bench like Howell Neto. Um, Denny Avdia is playing really, really, really good defense. The other day we played against Giannis and the Bucks. We beat them, and he stopped Giannis a couple times. So uh, our depth is really, really helping out the Wizards. Uh, we've had guys out. You know, Rui, Rui Hachimura is not even back yet. Thomas Bryant's not back yet. Davis Bertans is injured right now. So we've had multiple guys in and out of the lineup. And they've still been able to get it done defensively and defend the three-point line. And we score a lot of points in the paint, too. Daniel Gafford has been a huge part defensively as well in finishing around the basket. So they currently lead the Eastern Conference, sitting 9-3 and three at the moment. Beal missed the last game. He's going to miss again on Monday after a passing in his family. Um, you mentioned Rui Hachimura, who hasn't played this season. What What is the story here with Rui? Because he wasn't a part of the team for training camp. For preseason, um, he's still not back, ready to go for personal reasons. I'm not saying yeah, divulge or if you, if you know what the personal reasons are, but do we have any understanding of where he is in his return to the team? I understand he is back around the team in some capacity, but are we looking? Yeah, is he back in practice? Like where where is he sitting at the moment? So he's he's doing personal workouts. He's in the weight room as well, um, but he has not. From what I heard, he has not done any you know five on five or anything like that. Um, but there was a report from Shams uh, last week saying that he would be doing, you know, physical contact with the guys, with the teammates, and, you know, doing 505 um, practices uh, in two weeks. So, but Wes Unsell Jr., it's, it's been kind of, you know, different stories or different timetables. Wes Unsell Jr. said there's still no timetable for his return. Um, but, you know, he was saying it, he's, he said in a couple of weeks. I heard that on the radio on Friday. So, um, but yeah, he's out due to personal reason, uh, personal reader reasons, personal matters. You know, he had a, a lot of things going on during the Olympics. Uh, he, you know, he was the, the guy who held the torch during uh, the Olympics in Japan. Um, so he, he's just had, he's, you know, he has a lot of, a lot of weight on his shoulders. So um, there's still no definite timetable. There's no date saying that he's going to be back, you know, November 25th 
or anything like that right like that right now but he is in the facilities he is working out and um he's working on his way to, to return has there been any update on thomas bryant uh they did they said late december he okay. tore his acl in december last year so um that's that's pretty much right on track yes yeah, with, so, with the acl recovery yeah 12, 12 month return for bryant there so this time i said we're, we're, they're sitting at the top of the eastern conference i don't think even you know your best case scenario internal predictions wouldn't have had them sitting in the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. So is there an adjustment for internal or external expectations for where this team is? Where, you know, was the general premise around this squad? Is it, you know, they, they go to a play-in team again like they were last season? Or are they looking, okay, well, no, we can actually keep this going. We can be a top four seed, a top six seed, avoid the play-in altogether. Or has it been like, okay, no, we're still sort of that same team. Or has that expectation changed? Uh, I think it has changed. I mean, the way they're playing, you know, Bradley Bill, they're winning games with Bradley Bill sitting out. They beat the Magic. I know it's the Magic, but they beat the Magic by about 20 points with them not in there. They beat the Celt- They beat the Pacers without Bradley Bill. So um, I think the expectations have changed. And, you know, 9-3, and three, we beat some legitimate. We beat the Bucks. We beat the Celtics. The Raptors are a good team. The Cavaliers are a good team. We've beaten some, some, some pretty good teams. It's not like we've beaten Slouches and Montrezl Harrell if he can keep it up. Um, just the identity and defense. You know, we're we're really really playing defense right now. We're rebounding the ball well. We're doing the little things the right way. West Hunter Jr. He's calling plays. Other guys are stepping up. If Bradleyville has a bad game, Kuzma will step up. If Kuzma has a bad game, Harold will step up. So we're just a deep team. Um, if injuries happen, we have another guy that can step in. If you know, knock on wood, somebody's hit with COVID, we have other guys that can step in. So um, I'm I'm thinking. You could compare this team really to the Clippers when they had Montrezl Harrell and they had Tobias Harris. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have like two or three stars where, you know, you look at the top of the league and everybody has two superstars or three superstars. Um, you look at the Clippers, they won 50 wins a couple of years ago with Doc Rivers. and They didn't have bona fide superstars. You look at the Knicks last year, they were they were based on their defense. They were the fourth seed in the East. So I, I would compare us to those kind of teams where, like I said, there's not a lot of superstars, but they play together as a team and they play defense and they lock in and they play hard. I feel like the Wizards could. They're on track to get 50 wins. I think they could finally. They have the Wizards haven't got 50 wins in 1979, and I'm starting to get bullish on this team. You look at the schedule right now, starting to ease up a little bit. They play the Pelicans tomorrow night. I'm not going to sleep on the Pelicans, but um, they're they're this team, and they're very well coached. I think this team can reach 50 wins. I really think it's possible, and they can they can be like the Knicks last year, where nobody thought the Knicks were going to be the fourth seed. I think they can be a team like that. This is a team that currently, according to Clean the Glass, is the third best defense in the NBA. And with their current point differential, which is like a plus 7.9, a pretty good number, That a team that has a point differential, that number, is a 55-win squad. Now, 55 wins is obviously really high, but you're mm-hmm. right. 50 is not, it's not an out-of-the-question yeah, possibility. We are, what, 10% of the way through, more than 15% of the way through this season, and they're sitting 9-3. and three. Yeah, You're already, right. you're already, you know, 20% of the way to 50 wins with nine wins already. So it's not a outrageous yeah, prediction, I guess, for them to get to 50 or at least yeah, be comfortably over 500. And I do agree with you that some of these uh, expectations on this team need to change. Do you think the, the number one thing, it looks from the numbers, it is all defense. So what has Wes Unsell done as the number one thing to make this defense um, for, for a team that literally two years ago was one of the worst defenses you've ever seen? Like what has he changed to make it this yeah. good? <clears throat> Uh, he's getting them to communicate more, and you know the way we we have more guys that can switch. You know, Kyle Kuzma can guard positions. You know, one through four, one through five. Um, Gafford is a, is a rim protector, uh, so he's having them defend the pick and roll a lot better. They're switching uh, better, communicating better. 
they're closing in on threes. Our three-point defense was awful last year. It's a lot better. Uh, we have, I want to say we're number one in three-point uh, per, three percentage allowed uh, in the NBA. Uh, we're rebounding the ball well. We're, we're um, moving our feet defensively. Denny, Denny has made a leap, so I guess whatever he's coaching them up in practice because, you know, our first training camp practice, it was 80% defense, 20% offense, and the players said that throughout all the press conferences, and uh, he's had a guy like Denny um, step up and play very – he's leading the team in defensive rating, so he's having guys buy-in defensively. He's had Bradley Bill buy-in defensively, and that's huge for our best player to, to play well defensively because in the last couple of years, Bradley Bill – um, Stat-wise or analytically-wise, Bradley Bill, his numbers weren't good uh, defensively. So he's he's had Bradley Bill step up. You can see West Unsell Jr. cheering Bradley Bill on when he forced a, a shot clock violation in the Bucks game um, guarding, um, I want to say it was Grayson Allen. Um, so he, he's just getting guys to buy in. And, and I would say personnel-wise, KCP was known as a 3-and-D guy with the Lakers. He's a positive defender. So I, I would say it's West Unsell Jr. definitely is getting the guys to buy in, guarding the pick-and-roll, guarding the three-point line. And we're forcing guys to shoot a lot of mid-range jumpers. Um, if you look at the numbers as well, uh, three-point attempts, uh, we're, we're, we're um, bottom five in, in the amount of three-point attempts that teams take against us. So we're forcing guys to shoot mid-range jumpers uh, rather than having them shoot threes and easy layups. You are right. They are the number one team in terms of three-point defense. Opponents are shooting under 30% from three against them, which sometimes can be a sign that maybe this defense is overperforming what your rest-of-season expectations could be. So we'll keep an eye on mm-hmm. that. But the Wizards at the moment, they're one of the best feel-good stories in the NBA as they've rocketed to the top of the Eastern Conference standings. Ed, of course, you'll cover that for us all over on the Locked On Wizards podcast over the coming weeks. And uh, hopefully it is a 50-win season for your guys uh, with, the, with the Wizards. So thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Yep, thanks for having me. With Thanksgiving coming up, we all know it's about family, but it's also about food. And unfortunately, so much of that food is like high-calorie high calorie desserts. We, we love a dessert, but why don't we get something and start a new Thanksgiving tradition with a low-calorie dessert alternative, and that is Bilt Bar. It is the new holiday dessert. A slice of pie has got over 300 calories. A Bilt Bar is 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar. They're also low-carb, they're low-fat, and they are high in protein, Bilt Bars, and covered in 100% real chocolate. There is going to be... Plenty of new flavors released as well throughout the month of November. Plus, there'll be Black Friday deals coming up after Thanksgiving. So, why don't you share a box of Bilt Bar at your family gathering for Thanksgiving? If you use our promo code LOCKED15, you can save 15% at Bilt.com and get yourself a box or boxes of delicious Bilt Bar. So, use the code LOCKED15 at Bilt.com. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, so let's bring in now the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, John Corrales is here with me. John, I guess the number one question is, it's a broad question, what's going on with the Boston <laughs> Celtics? Like, what, what's what's happening here? Jason Tatum can't seem to hit many shots. They're, they're struggling through games that they should be winning. Like, what's, what is, if you had to pinpoint one thing that is, I guess, contributing ma- most to this general malaise, what is it? Um, I, I guess... To sum it up in a one word, I'll, I'll call it confusion. Uh, I think whether they are struggling to learn some of the things or struggling to execute some of the things or just struggling to find the energy to do some of the things, at the heart of everything that they're doing wrong is confusion, missed assignments, um, yeah, guys going off a little too ISO, uh, th- things that instead of doing the things that Ime Odoka has asked them to do, they break and they, when they do that, it's generally not good. So 
Yeah, you're saying that when they do the things that Udoka doesn't want them to do. So what's what's that coming from? Like, is that a leadership issue on the team? Obviously, there's established leaders like Marcus Smart, older players like Al Horford back with the team, superstars like Jason Tatum. Like, where who is not who who is not following those directions? Who is responsible for not following those directions? Where's the breakdown happening? I, I think it's it's actually kind of different from night to night. Um, and look, there there's been some injury uh issues that you know jalen brown's been out for uh, a couple of days with uh, a couple of games with the hamstring issue uh, al horford and josh richardson also missed the the game um against cleveland so there was nothing nothing to lean on nobody to lean on none of that leadership on the floor to lean on when things were going bad in the fourth quarter but look sometimes tatum goes off on his own and and he'll start you know, yapping at the refs after a missed call and not get back on defense there. You, you can probably point to every player or every major player on this team and say, Oh yeah, there were these instances where you didn't do these things and that caused the breakdown. And look, the, the Celtics have been trying to implement email Doka's defensive principles to varying degrees of success. They started out switching just everything and treating the early part of the regular season like an extended preseason so that that was part of why they didn't look so good so early and it's just it's hard to explain i think why why are some guys doing it why are they breaking from the game plan i think i think ultimately what ends up happening is when like they did in cleveland or against chicago when the things start going cascading, guys start to just say, okay, I want to be the guy that's going to help. Like, I want to stop this. And when he's not able to stop this, the next guy's trying to stop that. And and they're getting away from the ball movement and that kind of stuff that got them to those big leads. So it's almost like a, an altruistic version of selfishness. Like we want to we want to help everybody, but we want to help our, help them ourselves. So yeah, figuring that I guess in between part is going to be the key here. What have you made of Jason Tatum's start to the season, in particular, um, his shot selection? Yeah, I, I think sometimes it's not great. Um, he is getting back into some bad habits of not being able to get to the rim, or when he gets to the rim, he's not getting calls and he's not finishing. His his percentages at the rim are are horrible right now. I, I've been diving into them all day. Uh, he's shooting less than 48% he, uh, yeah, within a, five feet of the rim. That's a horrible which number. Which is just terrible. Yeah. Um, and, and so what he's trying to do is lean on those mid-range shots that he's he's thought like were his bed, bread and butter, but those have never really been great. And I, I think he just gets frustrated sometimes. I really do think that the officiating, it, it's tough for Tatum this year because he is actually making a concerted effort it seems to, to be more attacking and drive more. And because this year they're just not calling a lot of fouls, he's really getting caught up in the letting them play. And things that used to be fouls for the, the entirety of his career are now not fouls. And I think he's just struggling with exactly how he's being officiated. You, you see him complaining, again, way too much. He always has. And I, I think that, that that's gotten into his head in the worst of times. How would you grade the beginning of you know, the first 13 games here of Ime Udoka's coaching career? Um, I think for Ime, it's it's tough with him um, to give him... I, I'll, I'll probably put it at like a 
C plus uh, at this point, but it, it's it very easily could be in the B uh, because it's hard to say what has he exactly told him to do and what are they doing on the floor. And I think by the end of the season, we'll start to get a sense of the early struggles were they based on, oh, okay, he really wanted them to do X, Y, and Z. It took them two, three months to really get the hang of it. And now that they do, they look great. So, so far, eh, not sure. Uh, he's been struggling with some combinations on the floor. I think he's been experimenting a bit. So hard to say again, are those combinations that he's just going to go with all year? Or is he trying right now to figure things out? So when post all-star break, the, the Celtics are really trying to battle for playoff position uh, in seating that he's, he now knows who he can trust. So uh, it's been tough. There have been some decisions that I, I've been kind of perplexed by, but uh, there there just may be a method to the madness that we haven't known. That's the that's the problem with a guy who's only coached a month or so in the NBA. I have no frame of reference to know what's real and what's not with him at this point. Is there any lasting impact from the Marcus Smart comments directed towards Jalen and, and Jason? Um, may, maybe to it. it there's there's going to be some conversation there whenever at the end of the game smart is not in a position to do something or if smart take tries to take over um it, we're going to go back to those comments i think within the team they've probably worked them out as best as they're going to work them out um smart has been kind of uh, a little a little different this year and at least front facing with the media he's he's not had the same attitude as he had has had in the past and i don't know if that's just uh, displeasure with his role, wanting to have been the starting point guard, and now Dennis Schroeder is in there. Whenever there's an injury, he's the starting point guard. And I don't know if if that played into what he said, and, and if that's been worked out completely. So um, there's there's probably always going to be some level of residual with that, just because of where it came from from Marcus Smart and and what he's been dealing with to start the season. But um, I think on the court since then. Honestly, they've actually played a bit better. And the the collapse against Cleveland kind of brought people back to the Chicago collapse. But in between there, that Miami-Orlando-Dallas trip, even though they lost on the buzzer beater to Luka Doncic, they played – they had been playing better. They beat the Bucs. They, they really have started to execute some of the things that, that we've been looking for them to do. Uh, they've been able to withstand punches – and and answer but then the cleveland fourth quarter happens and it's we're right back to the beginning of the season so there was some progress there and some of the things that marcus smart has been saying is something are, are things that udoka had been saying and they had been playing better since then up until the the collapse against cleveland well, it is obviously going to be an interesting team to watch, especially considering I think we sometimes forget that Jalen Brown isn't playing at the moment and when he gets back and how all that figures it out and where they sit, they're just one game under 500 at the moment. So it is going to be intriguing to watch, John. You'll cover it all for us over on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. You got it. And that'll do it for today's episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And we can find us on YouTube as well as all of our other shows. So go and check them out over there, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.